I think my first social media thing was Twitter. You are 13 years my junior. What was your first social media I think tool? I think it was Twitter, too. Twitter. But the first one I really liked, I think, was Instagram. I'm not really that funny. MySpace? So. <laughs> Ever heard of MySpace? Yes. No, I actually think I had a MySpace <laughs> in middle school. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow, I wish that I still had access to that. It yeah, would be the internet's still alive. Absolutely I horrific. I we could find it. I um, hope no listener goes to find that. Um, what was your, did you have a sweet nickname that when you were in oof. freshman high school, whatever it would have been like, I have to figure it out. I don't remember it. Kate biker one. Kate, I was never a biker point. at that time. No kidding. It was probably like Kate horseback riding girl. <laughs> like Kate loves ponies. That was probably what it was. It was probably Kate loves ponies. Nice. All right. Dear <laughs> listener, if you can find this, please send it our way. I'll, I'll do some research. <laughs> I kind of am curious now. Hey there, folks. Ted King here, your host on King of the Ride podcast. You're in store for another great one today. Our second two-time guest is on the pod. Our first world champion and overall World Cup title holder. Someone who needs no introduction this day and age as her name is on the tip of the tongue of every cycling fan out there. Folks, I'm thrilled to have Kate Courtney back on the show today. Now, feel free to take a trip back down memory lane. Our first conversation was almost exactly one year ago. I had just won a little race called Grinduro. Kate had just won a little race called the World Freaking Championships. And we sat down to celebratory pumpkin bread and coffee. This time around, I caught up with Kate the day after Grinduro in 2019, which I will point out shows Kate's incredible class as Grinduro is most definitely a party as much as it is a race. And there were many a late-night libation consumed, yet there she was, up and at them early. We were able to fit in this conversation. So, following up on that first pod about a year ago, which still stands out as the most popular one to date, I will add, that was a whole lot of mm, convivial conversation. We were just shooting the breeze. This one, however is going to dig a bit deeper into her into her entire psyche. We talk about Kate's process and how she handles pressure. I'm going to ask a few more hard-hitting questions on the end of yet another smashing season here in 2019. What that means going into 2020 as she has high hopes for the Olympics on the line. What it's like for her having changed teams. And of course, the all-important, how is her Lamborghini model waffle maker doing? This conversation has all the good stuff, folks, and I know that you are going to dig it. I'm now checking in with you after a uh, after a damp trip to Arkansas and my first go at Outer Bike right there in Bentonville. The weather is rumored to have been stellar leading up to the weekend, but this particular weekend just happened to be a good one to show up in galoshes instead of cycling shoes. I was there wearing many hats. I was there checking in on a new event coming to Bentonville in 2020, the Big Sugar. We had a great time being showed around town and going out on a on a truncated view of the course. It's definitely going to be a good one. Staying on topic, speaking of the nutritious, delicious sugars out there, I was also wearing the hat of Untapped, slinging Untapped Maple Creamies from the brand new Untapped Rig, which we drove out clear across the country from HQ there in Vermont. 
Let's also stay on topic with events. November 1st, my friends, that is right around the corner. That is just four days away from this release. 10 a.m. Eastern, November 1st. You do not want to miss out on registration for Rooted Vermont. Set your calendars now. Head to rootedvermont.com. Do not miss registration for the second annual ride. It is going to be a stunner. Now, before we start the conversation, I did happen to notice that depending on how Kate's next season goes, I may have just checked out the Olympic coverage. And it looks like the women's cross-country race is on July 28th. So we're all going to be paying attention to that, glued to our computers, or maybe even in Japan. That also gives Kate exactly the right amount of time to make her way from the race in Tokyo to Vermont for the festivities kicking off at Rooted Vermont July 31 with mandatory mullet protocol at Rooted, business up front, party in the back. Seeing how Kate handled herself at Grinduro, having a great time, but still giving it full gas when needed. I think Kate would fit in perfectly at Rooted. What do you guys think? July 31st through August 2nd. I'm just going to throw it out there. All right. That seems like a great time to wrap it up. Thank you very much for tuning in, my friends. Please enjoy this conversation with Kate Courtney. I do, and then I, I immediately reach for coffee because there's nothing better in the morning than coffee. How did you feel this morning? I felt really good this morning, actually. I've been uh, really embracing the Sprinter Man lifestyle. Yes, yes. Yeah. That was uh, that was very kind of you to show us around your Sprinter Van yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, once we, we saw the inside, we saw that you brought a waffle maker here. Absolutely. Which, which shows that your infatuation with waffles is not just a fad. Um, no, I think uh, we were cooking them up before before our big ride yesterday. Nice, nice. Um, it's it's been that was probably the biggest question from our first conversation that we received from our audience. Tell us, I mean, just like fun, positive comments about your your infatuation with waffles. So, tell me where that came from. The waffle maker. The waffle. Well, there were a lot of questions about the waffle maker, which was I think okay, the Lamborghini. Yeah, the model. Lamborghini one. That was not the one that's here. Okay. So. Yeah, the waffles, it just actually came from my nutritionist I work with, um, a really awesome nutritionist and have for the past couple of years. His name's Kyle. Hi, huh? Kyle. Uh, <laughs> and and he suggested trying that as a pre-ride, pre-hard uh, workout um, breakfast, and it worked huh? really well for me. Um, nice. And I think part of it is that it just has really good complex carbohydrates, so your body can absorb it pretty quickly, whereas opposed to something like... Um, oatmeal has a lot of fiber in it. So your body digests it a little more slowly. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it maybe is a better breakfast for, you know, if you if you want to make it through lunch without eating. But um, for me, it's usually like eat the waffles, go smash a ride and, and want to be as fueled as possible to expend that energy right away. I dig it. Are you making your own batter? I'm a Bob's Red Mill batter gal. Because you're a GF gal. Yeah, I am. Nice. Primarily. <laughs> how, how simple the is the Bob's now, so. recipe? Is it just like water plus mix? Do you have to do the whole egg supplement? It's eggs and almond milk and butter, but usually I just add an extra egg and don't use the butter when I'm traveling because melting butter is a little bit of a hassle. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to take through TSA. No. So you've had more than a decent season. No rainbow curse. Congratulations. You won <laughs> yeah. a 
ton of races, and best yet, took the UCI World Cup overall title. Yay! Yeah, How, it was a good 2019. That was that was a freaking amazing 2019. How big of a goal was that? The overall title for you? Um, it was not a goal. So <laughs> interesting. Okay. Yeah, it was really interesting. I think um, you know halfway through the season. Uh, we kind of always assess and I, I do write down goals. I do have like a, a sweet vision board with what my performance objectives are for the year. And mm-hmm. that wasn't on it. Um, my goal is to win one world cup and to try to be top five in the world cup overall. Nice. Um, but yeah, winning the world cup overall was not the focus of the year. It was, it was more about demonstrating that on one day I could win and, um, also about qualifying for the Olympics. So those are kind of our primary goals and we really structured the season around that. So a lot of things that I did this year, um, that will probably become, you know, more public next year after the Olympics, like were for Olympic prep and were focused on those goals and weren't maybe the most ideal preparation to, to keep my fitness highest for every single world cup. Um, so it was, it was really hard mental kind of thing to find yourself in the lead for the overall and, and to, you know, make those trade-offs in certain places. But I'm really happy that I was able to kind of dig deep, you know, have a good end to the season and turn it around to take the overall. Yeah. And it freaking came down to the wire. Uh, (laughs) How, how nervous were you on the start line in snowshoe getting ready to, you know, knowing that it was going to come down to that race? Yeah, I would say that was one of the most nerve wracking events of my career. Um, you know, we, we're used to racing big events like that world championships every year feels like that. But, um, this one was a bit different. I think, uh, I knew exactly what I had to do and it was really a two person race within the race. Um, so normally the mental strategy of like, I'm going to go and just do my best and focus on myself and have the cleanest route I can. Yeah, is, yeah. Like that's all out the window. You're like, I need to beat this person sure. and to do that. I have this strategy and if it works, it's going to be awesome. And if it doesn't, it's not going to be as awesome. Um, so I did that in the short track. I kind of got the momentum behind me and really, I think had a, had a strong right there and did what I needed to do to mm-hmm. put myself back in striking distance. But you know, that night I didn't sleep like Friday yeah. night after short track. I'm <laughs> oh, like, man. Oh yeah, I'm tw- like, it's 20 points. Yeah. Um, and that was really a pretty, uh, pretty crazy position to me in. Brutal, but awesome how it all unfolded. Um, so speaking of goals, how do you how do you pick your goals? Who is your team that you're that you're constantly in conversation with to to say we're going to target this in this year or, or? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from me, um, but I think you know I have a really good team around me and especially working with Jim Miller as my coach, he's, he's really good about kind of broadening my horizon to what might be possible, but also, um, you know, he, he really understands how you get momentum as an athlete and how you, uh, can kind of set process goals and set certain goals throughout the season that build on each other. Um, and so I'm, I'm really lucky to have his advice at least in, uh, in identifying those. But a lot of times I think they have to be things that really resonate with me and get me excited and, um, you know, help me find motivation in the off season to train really hard. Sweet. I know Jim through the, through the world of coaching and he coaches a lot of, uh, my contemporaries. Are you the first person he's coached on the mountain bike? I believe so. I think I was the first, yeah, I think I was the first person. Nice. Well, I might be wrong. He you're might. you're, you're He's smashing a- his <laughs> accolades on the mountain bike, so that's freaking awesome. Okay, you are known for a methodical approach to your training, your racing, competition. Uh, 
You've mentioned in our conversation last year that you do everything within your control. And then you let the cards sort of fall as they may. Um, so given this this dream season that you had at the end of 2018, amazing 2019, how do you go into 2020? Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, this is the time of year that we really reflect on that and and lay the groundwork for next season. And I think, I think last year um, we... We're just so excited after I came out of the season. I took the rainbow jersey. I changed teams. There was a lot of um, new stuff for me and a lot of new excitement and motivation going into the season. And I didn't really take as big of a break last year. I kind of just took that motivation through. And this year, I think, has been about really taking a break, refocusing. And um, when I start training this year, it will be kind of foot to the floor through the Olympics. So I think we've really been doing a lot to think about those objectives, think about my preparation and make sure that I'm going to be ready um, to hit training full swing and not have any lingering kind of tiredness or, or lack of motivation. I think um, it really takes that break to get you super fired up. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I remember last year you had this end, uh, amazing end of the season having won the world championships. There are things that, that are going to surprise you. Like you had a knee injury at some point. And so as much as you can control the controllable, there's there's inv- uh, variables that are thrown your way. You never know what's going to happen. So, but hey, sometimes those things uh, things make you better in the long run, or totally. even in the, in the short run. Yeah. I think uh, that knee injury helped me a lot that season. So, um, you have a impressively visual presence in the gym. You do some pretty wacky, amazing things um, involving balance, involving dexterity. I saw. I saw some video of, of you riding a stationary training while doing strength like bands. That was a cool one. Where do these come from? Um, a lot of them from my strength coach. Some of them down at Red Bull. We do a lot of uh, kind yeah. of fun, innovative stuff when we're in the gym there. And especially um, we have trainers there and uh, also work with, you know, a lot of other athletes. So when you when you put five of us in a room, we're like, what if we did this? Yeah. Um, and make it crazier and crazier. But I think for me, actually a lot of what I do in the gym is um, – you know, injury prevention and and not as exciting uh, and like <laughs> your your regular run in the mill like core and um, kind of more more typical exercises. But I think those things for me make me excited to go to the gym and being able to have these like ten minutes to work on core and coordination and flexibility and strength and balance um, at the end. I think makes it really fun. So it's not all, all what I do, but um, I think it is fun. What and what cycles do you use gym work? Do you use, um, I mean, are you in the gym 12 months a year? Are you in the gym six months a year? Pretty much 12 months a year. Um, I take a few weeks off every year, but, uh, but yeah, it, we keep it pretty consistent. And it's one of the things that I think works really well. When I do take time off the bike, I take a couple weeks off a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually keep doing gym during those times. So I, I try to like stagger those breaks yeah. so that, you know, I'm not tempted to like go do a bunch of different exercise. Like I'm, I'm someone who needs to work out to like be happy and yeah, yeah, yeah. just like, you know, feel good. And so, um, being able to have like three days a week in the gym while I'm taking time off the bike, I think is really good for me. Good mental sanity. I'm with you. How about, yeah. um, besides riding, what, what other cross training do you do besides gym work besides riding? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I do a lot of yoga, so I think that's the uh-huh. other the other piece of it for me but outside of that um nothing super consistent like I ski I hike I do like a lot of outdoor 
activities and I just like being outside. But I think for me, mostly when I'm when I'm really focused with training, it's those three things. And um, I kind of try to keep it a little more limited in what I'm doing outside of that. Yeah. Sweet. Backtracking a bit to some other questions previously. We're we're you are sort of in uncharted territory this year in that, you know, like you said, you didn't know exactly. Initially, there was no goal to go for the World Cup title. The way things were unfolding, that's the way it. Uh, you started pointing your goals in that regard. Knowing that you were methodical, knowing that you have particular goals, how do you go about rearranging and saying, here's the new goal? Is it? Mm-hmm. Is that you? Is that your team? Is that... Yeah, I think it's definitely everything for me is kind of a team effort. I think uh, I think it's a huge team sport, and when you're lucky enough to work with like such great people, um, they're involved in every part of the process, which I'm really lucky um, to have those people around me. But yeah, I think it is really hard. There's definitely a balance. Um, I think it's amazing as humans how quickly our expectations rearrange themselves and how quickly we adapt to a new status quo. So. Um, you know, you go from never having won a race, like winning a race and your brain immediately says, we'll never lose again. I remember that. And you have to just say to your brain, no, like this was a really cool thing that happened. But, um, of course, like so many things have to go right for that to happen, not just being capable. Um, although I do think like for me, one of the biggest things that came out of the season is just proving that I am capable like to myself, um, because, you know, if you're, if you don't believe you're capable and you're never willing to go for it, you, you probably will never accomplish the goal that you're going for if you really don't believe you're going to. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part of it. But I do think keeping that perspective of, you know, what my goals were going into the season, rechecking my vision board halfway through was actually really helpful. Um, And remembering like, okay, we've already had a really great season. So like, let's take a little pressure off and remember what the goal is this year and also where that fits into the bigger puzzle. So where does that fit into my four-year plan, into my like bigger career goals? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you can do that, it it helps ease off the pressure a little bit. Sure. Um, 2016 Olympics were Rio? Rio, yeah. Pardon my ignorance. Did you race Rio? I did not race Rio, no. Okay, it perfect. Was, I was... Yeah, it was actually really interesting. Um, that year I was a junior in college, I want to say. I was racing U23 and I won a couple World Cups and um, it came down to a discretionary pick for the second spot. So Leah went automatically, I believe. Yep. Um, and it came down to a discretionary pick and I was like, you know, I'm in Europe. Uh, I'd taken time off school and my boyfriend was over there with me and we like stayed up till midnight to like see when the results came out and yeah. I ended up not going. Um and I talk about that moment as kind of my like watershed Olympic moment, literally, because I cried <laughs> huh. so much. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> but I, I didn't realize how much I wanted to go. I think I was always one of those people. Um, I like got into mountain biking really organically. And, uh, you know, I made, I never like applied for the world's team. Like I made the world's team and it was exciting. And then you went and it just was one of those things where you think like, oh, if I do the best I can and do a really good job, I'll probably get to do the other things I want to do. And the Olympics doesn't work like that. It's delivering on a certain day under the highest pressure at the highest level. And I didn't do what I needed to do to go. Um, And I think that was like the first moment where I was like, realize how important that goal was to my life. And also uh, that I kind of wanted to go for the wrong reasons in 2016. I wanted to go because it would like be fun and get all the Nike swag and go to the opening (laughs) ceremonies 
but I was aware that I wasn't going to be competing for a medal. Like mm-hmm. I was a U23 racer and I just, I wasn't at that level yet. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of galvanized the dream to like, I want to go in 2020. I want to automatically qualify early and I want to try to win a medal. And uh, we're partway through that. So um, I'm very excited to not be waiting up at midnight in June to right. find out if I'll be going. Well, congratulations on getting the bid. You're going to the Olympics. Um, so Tokyo 2020, we're here in freaking middle of nowhere, California. A week from now, you're going to be at the, the test event, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, it's all uncharted territory being, you know, going to Japan to race, going to uh, your first Olympics. So obviously you hold them in high regard. You want to, you want to medal. What, what did the Olympics mean to you? I mean, were you the kind of kid who would watch them every summer, every winter? Um, yeah, I definitely watched. I think um, for me, the Olympics epitomize everything that's really powerful about sport. I think they bring together um, people from all over the world and they give us something to rally behind. So whether it's your favorite sport that you rally behind or your nation that you rally behind or just an athlete that you really care about that you rally behind, um, I think it is something that you know everyone can be a part of in a really cool way. Um, and I think it's also, you know, obviously the highest level in sport. And part of that is because it's one day high pressure deliver. Um, and that is something that, you know, we see at worlds every year for us. So we do kind of get experience with that, but, but it's a whole different beast at the Olympics. Yeah. And it's interesting on the roadside because for one, we race so many times that, the world championships are that one day. It's like a spring classic. How can you deliver on that day? And then Olympics are every four years. So it's even that more elusive win. Um, I think, I mean, you tell me how how do mountain bikers see it in general? That's like about as big as it gets. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that. Um, I think, uh, you know, obviously a world title is the other biggest, biggest thing in our sport. And in some ways within our sport, that's a bigger thing, I would say, because you get the rainbows forever. forever. Um, but I think in the world of sports, the Olympics is obviously yeah. the pinnacle. And I think also for our um, discipline, it's it's part of why, you know, we get to have teams and people yeah, yeah, watch yeah, our yeah. sport um, because it, it's part of this big thing and it gets that exposure. And I think we all feel kind of responsibility to represent our sport well and to um, put on a really exciting show at the Olympics and show people what mountain biking is all about. Sweet. Um Past 12 months, obviously seen a lot of success, a lot of change. Um, how has the how's the team change been? Team change has been awesome. I am uh, loving the Scott's Ram race family. Uh, it's really been a great support system for me this year. And I think, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about with pressure and delivering at the top level, um, I'm surrounded by people that have, have done that for many, many years yeah. and uh, have the best experience possible, both in terms of pushing you to believe in what's possible. Um, you know, when you see someone like Nino, you're like, okay, I guess theoretically it's possible to just never lose yeah, bike races. Um, <laughs> Unreal what but he does. then also of course having Frishy as, as a mentor and someone that's really taken a really, really close, um, you know, role in my career. He's someone that can, can definitely serve the role to kind of take the pressure off and help me yeah. escape my own expectations in some of those moments. <laughs> and how, how did that relationship come about? I mean, I believe he worked for the team and was it sort of like, Hey, here is your mentor or cause it looks like on social media, it looks like you guys have a really great relationship and he's a, yeah. he's a phenomenal mentor. 
Um, so first she's actually, he's our team manager. So he oh, runs the whole team. Um, and go. I think, you know, he obviously is a legend in his own right. He's a former world champion, silver medal at the Olympics, yeah. um, and, and many, many more accolades, uh, from his career. Um, but for me, I think he, um, can really help me. And I think that's something that he's really put his heart and soul into is just, helping me develop as a rider. And, um, I think he has all this knowledge and, uh, kind of experience to hand down and yeah. it's maybe not as easy to find ways to help Nino anymore. So, <laughs> so we had to get Keep a new inexperienced winning. little lamb down here to, <laughs> to coach along, but, but no, it's been really cool to have his, um, mentorship. And honestly, it's been really nice to have someone to ride with all the time in Europe. Yeah. So yeah, it's made a big difference. That's sweet. Where's the team based? In Switzerland. Very cool. Is he Swiss? He's Swiss. Yeah. Every, everyone on my team is Swiss, pretty much. No kidding. Brad huh. and I are representing the American contingency. Excellent. Way to fly the flag. How's uh how's your Swiss German? Horrible. Hoy. 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 I can say my favorite I have I have one Swiss German word. Yeah. Um that's my favorite word. It's Das Betmumfli. Betmumfli like is the word. Okay. And it's a word that does not exist in English but is created for me, which is a little bedtime snack. And it literally <laughs> means like a snack that you eat in bed. <clears throat> and uh, I'm like pretty known for having Greek yogurt before bed. So that's my, that's my move, my spet moonfully. That's outstanding. Um, <laughs> man, I want to take this in a hundred different directions. Um, um, but I won't. I'll reel it back in. How about uh, <laughs> you have you have a tremendous relationship with your father. He got you, I believe, into the sport of cycling. Um, do, yeah. your, your mother continues to represent you. Is that right? Um, no, I haven't, I have an agent, but my mom manage, I should say manages me. She, uh, does so much. Honestly, both my parents really do a lot for me. And I think we talked about this last time, I believe just about how like they've really chosen to be a part of my career. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things my mom does actually is when people, you know, when we're sending out posters to little girls and stuff, I'll sign them and give the address and my mom goes and like mails these okay. posters all around the world. And that's something that for me, it's really important. And I think for her, it like, it gives her the opportunity to basically make someone's day, yeah. um, which is not something you get to do very often. And it's something I wouldn't have time for huh. or be able to do quite at the level that we do it. If, uh, if my mom didn't take that on. So that's like one small, small piece of what she does, but uh, it's an example of how she makes a meaningful difference. That's huge. You, you have a brother? I have an older brother. Do you, what's your, do you ever get to hang out and ride with him? Does he ride bikes? He's not big on riding bikes, but, um, but my brother's really, he's kind of just a, a little bit of an older male, cooler version of me. Um, nice. yeah, he's, he's definitely, definitely much cooler than me, but, uh, he was actually at world championships. So that's become like an annual family trip now, mm-hmm. uh, is that everyone, my brother, boyfriend, family, everyone comes together and they all have a grand time while I kind of sit quietly and recover before the race. Yeah. Great segue right there. How do you, when you go to a race, it is 24 seven. You're either, there's media, there is training, there is, there is that, that, uh, quiet moment that you have to find and really relax. How do you recharge your batteries in a, in the, in the short term? something like that. And then how do you recharge over the course of a year? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think, uh, it's a learning process that you continue to 
refine uh, year after year. But, you know, at races, I actually, oddly, I'm an, uh, oddly enough, I'm a little bit of an introverted person. So I kind of recharge alone. So just getting time to read or go for a walk or just build in some time um, to kind of rest, I think, is, is really necessary for me. And uh, I think... It's also really been helpful this year having Frishy as our our manager because mm-hmm. he has so much experience with managing all the media and and really he protects our time. Mm-hmm. So he, I think I'm I'm the kind of person who will just say yes to a bunch of things uh, and then maybe not leave as much time for myself. And he's really good about helping us um, protect that time during race week. Nice. But yeah, time alone I think, and then during the off season during kind of time when I'm at home, um, for me, it's just riding with friends. So I actually try to like separate those things. I think, uh, I don't know if I've talked to you about this before. I pro- probably not. Our last time we chatted was a long time ago. Um, it was a year ago. But we do, we do the happy hour ride, which is like after, uh, people get off work, uh-huh. we'll go at like 6 PM, go watch the sunset. Um, and it's like a 45 minute to an hour ride. And nice. for me, like I'll ride three and a half hours and do intervals in the morning and then I do the happy hour ride. And it's like, for for my training, Jim basically says, do that whenever you want because it's so good for your head. Um, and it's kind of like a wash. It doesn't really add much or, or take anything away, but it's so fun. And I think I'm learning more and more how important it is to like be able to keep that spark of, oh, I love riding mountain bikes with my friends. Like mm-hmm. that's part of what recharges my battery. And I also get to do that as my job and I love doing that, but it's different. Um, and so being able to do that in the off season has been pretty great. That's huge. Um, touched on social media. You have, you have a successful video series called rising. You know, you see some athletes who prefer to be hermits and purely, purely, uh, uh, focus on their trade and they don't like to have a social media presence. You have what I would call a very successful and booming and popular social media presence. How does that fit in to your day to day? Sometimes, I mean, social media is such a hard thing because sometimes it just can take over your life. So, uh, I try to be really intentional about it. I have like 24 hours social media free every week and like try to, try to just keep it pretty managed. But I also think, um, for me, it's a really meaningful thing and the interactions that I have on social media are by and large very positive and um, are something that is important to me. So I was actually talking to someone about this yesterday on our long Grandero ride. You have (laughs) five hours to chat with different people. Um, But we were talking about social media and he has a daughter in high school racing in the NICA um, leagues. And for me, you know, going on social media and seeing the, you know, three or four messages a day I get from kids in the high school league just sending me a message of encouragement before a race or asking what they should eat for breakfast. The answer is waffles. <laughs> welcome. Always maple syrup. You're um, welcome. Interactions like that, I think, are a really special privilege for me that I get to, you know, have that role of like telling this girl what to eat before her first high school mountain bike race. Like that's mm-hmm. a really cool thing for me to get to do. Uh, and it's really important to me. So I think, you know, I do have to like, protect my own time. And I, I'm really intentional about that, but I also feel that, you know, spending the time on social media sometimes like has a real impact. And that's something that, um, I hope to continue to do. Nice. What was your first, how old are you? You're 23. I think my first social media thing was Twitter. You are 
13 years my junior. What was your first social media I think tool? I think it was Twitter, too. Twitter. But the first one I really liked, I think, was Instagram. I'm not really that funny. MySpace? So. Ever heard of MySpace? Yes. No, I actually think I had a MySpace <laughs> in middle school. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow, I wish that I still had access to that. It yeah, would be the internet's still alive. Absolutely I horrific. I we could find it. I um, hope no listener goes to find that. Um, what was your, did you have a sweet nickname that when you were in oof. freshman high school, whatever it would have been? Like, I have to figure it out. I don't remember it. Kate Biker won. Kate, I was never a biker point. at that time. No kidding. It was probably like Kate horseback riding girl. <laughs> like Kate loves ponies. That was probably what it was. It was probably Kate loves ponies. Nice. All right. Dear <laughs> listener, funny. if you can find this, please send it our way. I'll, I'll do some research. <laughs> I kind of am curious now. Um, here in what was supposed to be rainy Grindero. We That's saw so rain, snow, sleet, sun, warmth, freezing cold. We saw it all. Oof. There was a, there was a moment there. <laughs> there were many moments. Um, this was your first grinder at, at the very tail end of what's been a very busy, eh, successful, complicated, interesting, dynamic season. How, how long ago did you know that you're going to do this and how did it fit into your season? Uh, like a week and a half, two weeks. Oh, wow. So we were a late Grinduro edition. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I didn't really realize, like, I think for me, Afterworld is kind of like a black hole of, like, I don't really know what happens next. Yeah. Either I go on vacation or I'm going home, but <clears throat> the plans kind of fall from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm not too kind of involved until I get home. And then I say, oh, looks like I'm home from Grinduro. That would be awesome. And Maxis, thank you, Maxis, uh, got me in at the last minute, which nice. was really awesome of them. Um, I also didn't have any flats, so just <laughs> saying. But, yeah, they got me in at the last minute, and we just kind of decided to come up. Um, we drove up here in the Sprinter van, camped. We had a couple buddies up here. And it was really fun. Like, it was a perfect opportunity to um, do some intervals before the Tokyo test event because while it's not, like, a key event for me and I've really been trying to take that break, mm-hmm. um, I, I do want to not feel terrible there. And my coach was like, you could do grinder out or go, like, do intervals by yourself. Easy decision. Very good decision. Easy decision. Um, and I really, yeah, I love these kind of adventure rides and I think it was a really cool format that allowed me to like not take it too seriously, but still mm-hmm. be able to just go hard because it's fun and shout out Grand Euro. Yeah. Um, yeah, they remind me of grasshoppers, which you drop in and out of sporadically in the early season. Yeah, kind of, I will, I feel like they, it felt very different to me than a grasshopper in many ways. Okay. How's that? Usually, actually, I, we were talking about this yesterday on the ride because my grasshopper uh, tactic is usually, it's a mass start and I usually just try to stay near Ted for until I like throw up in my mouth and then I <laughs> kind of drop back. Um, but those events position. are about like for me making the front or I never make the front, making the second group of guys, which is so really fast. And I'm usually, it's like me and a bunch of guys. It means you're freaking hammering. Yep. <laughs> and they push me the whole time. And yeah, there's been many moments in those races where I was like, I hope that there's like secretly somewhere that where we're going to slow down or I'm not going to be able to finish. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah, what's yeah, going to yeah. happen. Um, like I might call an Uber. Like I, it's going to be like a hard stop. In the middle of Sonoma with no cell reception. Yeah. How no, am I going like, to get an what's Uber gonna home? Ha- like, I remember I asked Lucas user once when we were on it. I was like, Lucas, is it, are we going to go this pace the whole time? Because my 
like power is the power of a World <laughs> Cup, and we're an hour and forty five minutes in. Good lord! Um, but the grasshoppers, I actually like take seriously as practice races. So, um, you know, prepare for them. I'm usually training through them, but like they're, they're races, you know? Uh, whereas I feel like this event is a race, but it's more about like riding with your friends and having fun. And you race for four, 10 minute segments, but in between, like I was with my entire group Mm -hmm. and we were hanging out and talking and, and it felt like you're on your normal adventure and you stop at every rest stop. If someone gets a flat, you all stop and wait for them. Um, it doesn't feel like that high intensity in between, which is really cool. Perfect. (laughs) Near end of the season. Well, hopefully it has served you in good stead for Tokyo. Hopefully it serves you good said for Tokyo 2020. Yeah, I'm sad that I, I told everyone my secret training plan, the Grinduro oh my God. secret preparation. Wouldn't that be amazing if you <laughs> see all these people like coming to Grinduro for the training? You're like, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. Yikes, yeah. Well, I think it's about time to wrap up. You got right, you got to go, go shred some, some mountain riding. biking. I got to go lead a ride. Um, I thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It was awesome to catch up. Absolutely. Very much appreciate it. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. So there you have it, my friends. Tokyo 2020 training starts for Kate right there at a party in Quincy, California. And and in all seriousness, more to the point, how many of you looked up Kate Loves Ponies on MySpace? My sincerest thanks go out to Kate for taking the time on a foggy-eyed Sunday morning to sit down and chat. She is a champ in more ways than one as you clearly pick up in this conversation. So thank you very much, Kate. And before we wrap, looking at the calendar right now, it is virtually the end of the 2019 season. So let's be honest. It is never too early to be thinking about next year's calendar. Hey, who out there is interested in some early season warm miles? I'd like to promulgate that I have the Coast Ride once again on my calendar for mid-January 2020. That has become an annual tradition of mine beginning back in 2016. My first big event that I took on in retirement from the world tour. And one that long precedes me. I'll be teaming up with the amazing crew at Ngamba and maybe 300 of our best friends as we're making the pilgrimage from San Francisco to Los Angeles. Better yet, I'm teaming up with a very dear friend of mine. Someone who finds himself in a similar place as a former world tour racer, or as I call it now, we are now world tourists. Lawrence Ten Dam, my friends, is along for the ride. He and I are leading in Gamba's The Coast Ride. Call it mm, 500 miles over four days, January 17th through 21st. I'll be sure to put that link at the end of the show notes. Please check that one out. And then with that early season fitness from those four days of riding. I'm going to be seeking some even even warmer weather, perhaps January 25th with the Sugarcane 200, a 200-mile gravel race in Florida, which obviously does not have any big hills. So this race is rumored to be all about speed and early season fun. We're going to be zipping along the outskirts of the Everglades. I have seen some stunning photos. The terrain and landscape look incredible. So I'm pumped to check that one out. www.sugarcane200.com. That's it for me. That's all for now. Thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, please enjoy the ride.